our star, or our sun as it's also known, has been an object that's been studied quite a bit and, it, and the, the interest is, is increasing over time. There's been several dedicated spacecraft sent out to study our sun in detail. And I guess the reason behind this is because our sun or our star, it shares a lot in common with other stars mm. around in, within our galaxy and elsewhere mm-hmm. in the universe. So, so understanding the universe and understanding how they work, other solar systems we've discovered. In fact, they think that more than half of all the stars in our own Milky Way galaxy have planets. And this is only a very recent discovery that the telescopes and technology has has allowed us to, to determine that. And so understanding the stars that those planets orbit around uh, is a really useful thing to do. Uh, and so the best one that we have to look at, the most accessible one, is our own sun. Mm-hmm. Hence, there's been a lot of um, dedicated robotic missions to look at our sun. These include things like the Solar Dynamic Observatory, still out there doing great science, SOHO, Ulysses, the Parker Solar Probe is also getting quite close and, and flying through the sun, the sun's atmosphere. It's got yeah. a big shield to stop it getting burnt. Mm-hmm. So we, we're doing a lot, but, but all those missions that I just mentioned, there's other ones as well, they all fly out from Earth and go into eventually go into orbit of, of some description around from a certain variable distance from the sun. But they're all on the plane of the ecliptic. So in other words, if, there's a, if you imagine a flat plate, uh, the sun's in the middle and, and all the planets are going around at different distances sure. but on that same plane. Mm. When you launch from the Earth, the automatic thing that happens, unless you do something about it, you go onto that ecliptic plane as yes. well. Yep. So all those probes, when they look at the sun, they basically are in an equatorial orbit and so they're looking at the middle latitudes mostly. And so we don't know much about the poles of the sun. Right. There's a new spacecraft that was launched very recently in uh, February 2020 called the Solar Orbiter. It's a dedicated sun-observing satellite developed by the European Space Agency and NASA, jointly funded by both. I think the lion's share of the funding came from the ESA. So NASA's total monetary contribution is about $386 million. Uh, That's one instrument, and they contributed the launch rocket which was a uh, ULA, United Launch Alliance, Atlas V rocket. The ESA contributed $877 million. So the total for this mission, this spacecraft, is, uh, is $1.5 billion. Uh, so it's, it's not a cheap mission. It's quite a large spacecraft. It's got lots and lots of instruments. Apparently it was one of the, the cleanest spacecraft ever launched into space and this was because they were very concerned about it. they didn't want to contaminate any of the instruments on board mm. so they didn't want to taint the scientific results that these instruments were going to get during the course of the so mission what's it uh, looking to read it's a thermal it's, it's, um, look, well, it's, looking, it's looking to go into a polar orbit for okay. starters yes. now it has to do that with it take, it'll take a while mm. so we're not going to get photos of the, of the poles of the sun very high res images for about five years okay. so it's, got to, it's got to do multiple flybys and gravity assists from both Earth and Venus to get uh, to, to a change out of that ecliptic plane and, and actually get it into a polar orbit. Mm. It's not going to go as close to the sun as the Parker Solar Probe, but it is going to work in close coordination and, and the data will be complementary mm-hmm. to that being collected by the Parker Solar Probe. So mm-hmm. they're going to kind of work together. They're different things. Okay. Once the Parker Solar Probe's in an equatorial orbit, as are all those other spacecraft I mentioned, it's going down into the sun's atmosphere, the corona, and studying that. Whereas Solar Orbiter is going to actually go in, into that polar orbit. 
So it's got a heat shield, which is apparently kind of like a, um, a series of titanium blankets uh, that form a kind of a mesh within the heat shield. That's its primary protection against the heat of the sun, mm. which they reckon is basically it's going to be the outer side of that, uh, the side facing the sun is going to get to about 500 Celsius all the time. So yeah. pizza oven kind of heat or, yeah. or warmer. Just for the given the sensors to work. I mean, obviously they're shielded by that. They're they're shielded and they're they're all thermally stable inside behind that shield. But the shield actually has little windows that open to reveal cameras and other instruments that when the the time is right, they can open and and get their data and then close again and be protected from the the heat of the sun. A bit more about the payload. Uh, There's a solar wind plasma analyzer from the UK, which is a suite of sensors that will measure the ion and electron bulk properties including density, velocity, and temperature of the solar wind. There's the energetic particle detector, Spanish-made. Uh, that'll measure the composition, timing, and distribution functions of a suprathermal and energetic particles. MAG magnetometer from the United Kingdom will provide in-situ measurements of the heliospheric magnetic field with high precision. The radio and plasma waves, waves ELISA, which is from France, makes both in-situ and remote sensing measurements. It'll measure magnetic uh, and electric fields at high time resolution uh, using a number of sensors and antennae uh, to determine the characteristics of the electromagnetic and electrostatic waves in the solar wind. There's other instruments as well. There are remote sensing instruments, so polarimetric and heliosseismic imager from Germany, spectral imaging of the coronal environment from France, a spectrometer telescope for imaging x-rays from Switzerland and a multi-element telescope for imaging and spectroscopy. So there's a several, it's a big spacecraft and uh, it's got lots and lots of instruments from European countries mainly, but one from America. The things that it's looking to study are how and where did the solar wind plasma and magnetic field originate in the corona? How do solar transients drive heliospheric variability? How do solar eruptions produce energetic particle radiation that fills the heliosphere? Now, the heliosphere spreads right around the whole solar system. Mm. When you have these big coronal mass ejections out of the sun, if they happen to line up with uh, the Earth, then we can have disruptions to communication satellites. Mm -hmm. Power grids can get knocked out by them. There's a whole lot of economic reasons why this is really important research to do in fact it's considered critical information for governments to have you know to know the effects of a, of a, of a like a natural disaster it's in the same yep. category yep. if if you have one of these big eruptions from the sun and it hit, it's a direct hit on a city like london for example uh, then there could be really big consequences for business for for, for uh, power grids for, for people's safety so they need to study this and that's one of the one of the big objectives of uh, this spacecraft It'll be really interesting to see those first pics of the sun's poles. It's believed that the solar orbit is going to connect what's going on on the surface of the sun with what's happening out in the heliosphere in unprecedented detail. And this will establish a cause and effect relationship to what happens on the sun and what we observe in the near-Earth environment. So when should we start seeing some uh, of the data come through? It's not till uh, not, not for a while. But it's got to refine its yeah. It's got to refine its orbit. The, the launch went really well. They were in communications with the probe. Mm-hmm. Everything's, everything's looking good so far. Mm-hmm. It'll take a while. We won't have those first, first good look at the, at the sun's poles until 2025. Quoting from Gunther Hassinger, he's ESA's director of science. Whenever you launch something, it's incredibly exciting. The biggest relief comes when you see the light from the rocket and then when the sound waves hit you. 
This mission is such a treasure and important to science, we all want it to go well. There's a lot of excitement and anticipation. It's taken ages. I think it was um, first started this mission, you know, the first meeting to kind of get this solar orbiter off the ground and sort of get the funding and begin the process of getting the thing built. And, you know, you can imagine this layers and layers of bureaucracy and mm. funding debates and, and negotiations between America and the ESA, NASA and the ESA to, uh, to get this sort of thing happening. But I think the first meetings were back in, in 2000, so 20 years 20 later. Years, and I wow. think they were actually re- ready to launch a couple of years ago, but they had some technical issues. They yeah. had to go back and, and redo some things. And then they actually had some delays on the launch pad just recently at Cape Canal. Avril. It was it was launched from Com- Launch Complex 41 on Sunday, February the 9th. It was a night launch. I think they had some weather that uh, blew a pipe off the side of the uh, the, the, the spacecraft or the the, the, uh, the launch booster. Um, so they actually had to delay the launch. And there was also a SpaceX launch, which was happening at the same time. Right. So they had sort of like scheduling issues. Mm-hmm. And they actually had to, um, because that pipe got blown off, I think it, was, it wasn't very vital, but it did happen because of high winds. So they had to take it back. Fix Retouch that. it, yeah. Yep, and then and then begin the launch again. Yep. You know, after a long, long time, twenty years since the inception, they finally launched. It looks like a a good launch. All things looking good for the solar orbiter to to start delivering science and get into that polar orbit, which will be fascinating. Just as um, Juno is in a polar orbit, swooping down over the poles of Jupiter, that was something that hadn't been done before, yeah, cool. and that's giving us a unique perspective on that giant planet. This will hopefully do the same thing for our sun. You're listening to Beyond Infinity. Science and Technology Podcasts. You'll find show notes and other resources, plus our complete searchable backlist of over 600 podcasts at our program website, beyondinfinity.com.au.